Welcome to Street Talk with Wine Spectator, a podcast from the world's most widely read wine magazine. I'm your host, James Molesworth, Wine Spectator Senior Editor and Special Projects Director, and you're listening to a special preview edition of Street Talk Episode 3. You can hear the full, uninterrupted episode for free at winespectator.com slash podcast. In this episode, we're highlighting our December 15th, 2022 issue, and that means it's time for bubbles, baby. On top of our champagne tasting report, which features scores for more than 200 new champagnes, we've also got a very cool travel guide to the best champagne bars and restaurants across the U.S., as well as places to eat, drink, and stay in Paris and in the Champagne region. And now joining me in the studio, as always, is our podcast director, Rob Taylor. Greetings, James. Today we're here to talk about champagne, and we have some very exciting guests lined up for this episode. Yeah, I think this is going to be another really good episode. We're going to be hearing from Jean-Baptiste de Caillon. He's the main man at the Louis Roderer Champagne House. That's one of the big houses and the makers of Cristal. And joining us now to help us sort through this is Wine Spectator's lead taster for the wines of champagne, Senior Editor Allison Napius. Hi, James. Hi, Rob. I heard we're talking about one of my favorite subjects today. You know it. But first, let's properly introduce you to our listeners, since this is your first time on Straight Talk. Like myself, you joined Wine Spectator's tasting department more than 20 years ago. You've been covering champagne for quite a while, along with Alsace and Italy. And more recently, you took on South Africa, as well as another new beat. It's a pretty big one, and it is... That's right. I'm reviewing the wines of Spain. It's been almost a year since I started covering Spanish wines. Time I've spent meeting producers and diving into the wines via my blind tastings. And you're also our tasting director, which is a mighty big job. Tell us about that. Well, we conduct all our tasting from our two offices, one in New York and one in Napa. We have a team of tasting coordinators that catalog the incoming samples and then set up the blind tastings for our tasters. And these tastings encompass thousands of wines every year. For our listeners, Allison, why don't you explain what we mean when we say we taste blind? Enjoying wine is a very personal experience, but to evaluate it, you need to be objective and unbiased. We believe the best way to do that is to present all the wines on a level playing field. Our tasters don't know the winery, the wine, or the price. And by putting any preconceptions aside, they can really focus on what's in the glass. But in a more literal sense, when we say we taste blind, we mean we don't know the identity of the wine we're tasting it. That's the producer. We also don't know the price. All of the bottles are disguised in numbered paper bags, and the taster only knows the origin of the wine and its vintage. Some people find it hard to believe that y'all are scoring these wines blind, but I am here to testify. I've been watching it happen pretty much every day for nearly 20 years. I'm also sure someone out there listening is saying to themselves, yeah, but a lot of those champagne bottles have some distinctive shapes, which are giveaways, no matter how they're bagged up. Good point, And we're on it. For wines with distinct bottles, like champagne, our tasting coordinators do the pouring for the tasters. So in my case, I only see glasses of champagne lined up for me to taste. What kind of glass are you tasting those champagnes out of, Allison? For me, it's got to be a white wine glass or preferably one of the larger burgundy bowls. Not only can you appreciate the aromatics of the champagne better than in the tall, narrow flutes, but the delivery of the wine and its mousse is actually more evenly distributed to your palate. Flutes send all of those bubbles and all the flavor to just one point on your palate, and it's kind of this aggressive stream. Flutes are a great invention and great for caterers because a lot of them fit on a service tray, but they just don't work for a serious wine lover. Uh, I agree, Allison. I actually love that point about how flutes were just an invention for 
caterers who needed a, a lot of glasses on their tray. I bet some people can win some bar bets with that bit of trivia. Our first guest today, though, we've got a perfect spokesperson for the Champagne region and Jean-Baptiste Lecayon. Tell us a little more about him. Well, first of all, Jean-Baptiste is a passionate vine grower. He's a winemaker, too, of course. But it all starts in the vineyards for him, and that's abundantly clear every time that I talk to him. He's been at Louis Roederer for a quarter century, so he draws on a lot of experience. And he's been a leader in converting to organic practices and adapting to, also capitalizing on, climate change. Welcome to Straight Talk. Thank you for being here today. Thank you, Edison. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy and honored to be in your podcast today. Cristal 2014 is the highest rated champagne of my annual report this year. Why is this vintage notable for you? 2014 was quite a difficult, challenging vintage in Champagne, very extreme kind of weather. But um, I think we are getting things together. I think now we have this um, f farming that is haute couture farming with uh, organic farming, which was an old uh, crystal estate now since 2012 is organically and biodynamically farmed. So crystal is it's really showing uh, the full power of this, this new viticulture. We have talked about in the past that sometimes Cristal is a little bit shy on release. But this 2014 is like a friend. It's very mm. personable mm. right away on release. Is that really a consequence of the vintage or is that something you feel you, you might be able to do in future years as well? Yes, I think it's exactly what we try to move. We, we knew that Cristal was so classic, I would say, on release. And I was a bit frustrated sometimes when we launched 2002, which was a great vintage. And everybody was saying, ah, oh, this is tight. This is very not ready yet. But I was very confident. So the challenge of Crystal is that we make wine for a long aging. So we need to get high acid. We need to get the structure to age very well. So the, the challenge that I saw back uh, 15, 20 years ago was to work on the deliciousness. Okay, you can be classic. You can age for a long time, but you need to be delicious from day one. Crystal should be classic for the long term, but effortlessly delicious as well. I also talked to Jean-Baptiste about climate change, including how he's managing and even exploiting Champagne's warmer growing seasons. And he shared a very interesting theory on how the grower Champagne trend started. We have been experiencing climate change for 30 years now. We, we have seen the weather, the average temperature increasing. But what we really face is a, is a, very, a lot of extremes. So you need to adapt, to readapt always your farming. And I think this is what, why the tailor-made organic farming, which happened to be organic, but for me this is tailor-made, is a good tool because it's a buffer of climate change. So what we are finding is that we are harvesting earlier, riper, it's more vintage quality. So Champagne is really benefiting from that. And this is why we see this grower movement. I think the grower movement you see in Champagne at the moment is a result of climate change because the grower which which couldn't make wine because it was so complex to make wine from unripe grapes and very, very unstable from one year to another. This is more regular. So now they can make single vineyard from village because now we are ripe and we can do it. And it's easier to make wine today in Champagne than it was 30 or 40 years ago. Having said that, up to now, it's a benefit. But we need to decrease our footprint, be if not zero carbon, neutral carbon as much as we can. Champagne is making more terroir wines, greener wines, organic wines. What is the goal? The goal is to be in the best part of these new conditions and learn how to change the winemaking and all that needs to be changed. 
without, and I insist on that, without being afraid. Adaptation to climate has been a farmer's job for centuries. And if we have to change completely the winemaking, let's change it. That's all we have time for in this special preview edition of Straight Talk Episode 3. The full-length episode includes more from Rotorose Le Caillon, plus an interview with grower champagne star Alexandre Charton. We also talk business trends with the importer of Bollinger Champagne. Dr. Vinny gives us a champagne label explainer and much more. You can hear it all exclusively and for free at winespectator.com slash podcast. I hope we'll find you all there soon. But until then, I'm James Molesworth, reminding you to always share when you drink the good stuff. <laughs>